Welcome to another edition of First Word from First Church. This is Pastor Dave Buchanan at the First Church in Sutton. Please enjoy the message, and may God bless you richly through it. Our first scripture lesson comes from the book of Jonah, chapter 3, verses 10 through um, chapter 4, verse 11. When God saw what the Ninevites did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm um, that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the, plant, when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down um, on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you uh, make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I pity Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from the left, and also much cattle? The second reading is from Matthew, chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, 
he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these last worked only an hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne of the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give the last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. May God add his blessing to our hearing and understanding of his holy word. Thank you, Brian. Anyway, and it's easy with the Jonah story to keep my voice up. I mean, poor Jonah really, he tied up twice. He really messed up. We know that he said, God said to Jonah, I need you to go to this big city of Nineveh. Now, this is a thriving city. 120,000 even in that day, and God says, and many cattle besides. And Jonah said, I'm not going to do that. So he tries to get on a boat to flee to Tarshish. He jinxes the boat. They throw him overboard. He gets swallowed by a whale. And after three days, he gets coughed up on the beach by the whale. That's about where Sunday school lessons end, isn't it? We know about Jonah and the whale. We don't know about Jonah and the bean plant. Huh? Jonah went. I mean, if, if I'd been swallowed by some kind of large sea mammal and coughed up on the beach after a few days, I think I'd straighten up and do what God asked me. So he did. He went through Nineveh taking great delight in telling 120,000 people, including the king, God is going to do thus and so to you because you've been such an evil city. <laughs> and I'm going to watch. Not a nice guy in some ways, Jonah. Not all the prophets behave well. So he marches through Nineveh, and he does a fine, fine job preaching for the Lord. I mean, what preacher wouldn't be happy if he preaches repentance to a city of 120,000 people, and from the king on down, they do it. They repented. Sackcloth, ashes, fasting, the whole works. Hmm. God says, I gave them a chance, and they took it. I don't need to hammer them now. I don't need to destroy their city. Jonah says, that's what I thought. I knew you were a God, merciful and gracious, slow to, slow to anger, wanting to relent from doing harm. What a way to whine, huh? I'm going to sit up on a hill and hope you do it to him anyway. Wow. I don't think I would have liked Jonah. Either that or he'd have been a challenge to preach to himself. I don't know. God sends a bean plant. Oh, thank you, Lord. 
Then he sent what my mother would have called a cutworm in the garden. She hated those things. Cuts off the bean plant. And Jonah is bewailing and bemoaning a mere bean plant while he's looking for 120,000 people to die. God calls him on it, and what I like is, in the storytelling, should I not pity Nineveh, that great city? We don't know if Jonah was dumb enough to reply to God again or not. We don't have God's last word. Maybe we do have God's last word in the discussion. Jonah, I got nothing more to say to you. Just think about it. So we have a city that the last minute repented. They repented, so God relented and let them live. It's parallel in Jesus' parable, isn't there? Parable means parallel, by the way, in a different language. The master of the house hires laborers. Now, it bears explaining how the labor force worked. It wasn't a union shop exactly. They gathered in the marketplace in the morning. And then the worker went out, the farmer went out, and he says, I need X number of people, and we're, I don't know, we're, we're cutting or we're threshing or we're doing whatever with the, the harvest. Maybe we're picking grapes, maybe we're stomping the grapes, maybe we're barreling, I don't know. Whatever they needed laborers for, they went to the marketplace and said, in some cities in this country do that today. Here, I'll take you, 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 and you. Standard wage is a denarius a day. There's a reason that's the amount. Then the farmer says, gee, it's not going fast enough. These guys are working hard, but I didn't hire enough of them. So he goes out at about 9 o'clock in the morning, the third hour. And he says, you guys still stand around? You, 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 and you. Come on. I'm going to have workers yet. He does this several times during the day. He must have really underestimated the need for the workforce at the beginning of the day. That's all I can say. He was either new at this or he wasn't paying attention. So he hires these guys who've been standing around all day looking for work. They're at the marketplace. They're at the work pickup point. Maybe they got up late. I hope not. But they're there. He says, come on. Don't waste the day completely. Come work. Lines them up at the end of the day. And he starts with those he hired last. He gives them a denarius. There's a reason for this. They've invested their day waiting for a job and finally got a job. And the denarius would feed a worker and his family for a day. That's why it was the day's wage. They received a full and sufficient supply for their day. Well, they, they're going back in line and back in line. The guys who started working the first thing in the morning, boy, if they get the full day's wage, what are we going to get? And don't tell the union, but the farmer paid him the same. He says, you're supplied for a day. Wait a minute, you gave that, but you agreed to work for me for a day's wage to feed your family. That's, that's standard. But you hired them later. Yeah. And I choose, God says, I mean the master of the vineyard says, I choose to give as I wish to give. I want to give in full measure. And if he'd wanted to tell them old stories, he would have said, like God forgave Nineveh in the 11th hour too. Now you know where the phrase 11th hour comes from, by the way, in modern English. A full measure. In other words, God doesn't give part-time pay. 
Now, what is the wages? We know the wages of sin, famously, is, is eternal death. The wages of accepting work in God's vineyard, the wages of accepting Christ as the master of the vineyard, is a full measure of restoration, a full measure of our spiritual need, a full measure of reconciliation to God, of salvation, of eternal life. Now, I'm as human as the next guy. I look at somebody who makes a, a deathbed confession of faith. I've seen a couple. Or worse, a gallows repentance. They're stepping up the gallows and cry out to God. Our human nature is a little skeptical of that. Are they trying to hedge their bets or what? But God sees the human heart. And if a person chooses late in life, and I know a, a woman took great comfort in the fact that when her husband was on his deathbed for cancer, he who had scoffed at God all his adult life took Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Do you think God welcomed him? There's a piece of fiction by a guy named Frank Pinchetti, and I, I love the book. And at one point, a, a young woman accepts Jesus Christ. She's in a, in a glade in a park all by herself, and she thinks she's by herself. And she drops to her knees and she prays, Lord, whatever it takes, take me. And in this particular piece of fiction, the author writes on two levels and on a spiritual plane, there are 10,000 angels surrounding her with flaming swords, and they're all kneeling and laying their swords toward her and shouting hallelujah in heaven at one, one regained soul. Full measure of grace, of mercy, of forgiveness, of reconciliation and salvation for a whole city in Nineveh when their king called them to repent and they obeyed for each and every worker who shows up in the vineyard of God. Even at the 11th hour, whatever that looks like in a life, receives the full denarius, receives the full means to live is what a denarius was to them. The means to live in Christ, to live in God's vineyard. Our, our, our youngsters this morning were way too polite. You've heard me, some of you, tell the story of my, my Cub Scouts when I was a den leader. And for every meeting they attended, they got another little colored plastic bead to put on the, the, neckerchief, the necklace we all wore. And I said, okay, line up for your beads. And all I could see was elbows. It looked like a subway or something there. Who's going to be first to get a bead? So I said, all right. Like I did to our youngsters once. I said, okay, now turn around. Last shall be first, the first shall be last. A week later at the den meeting, I said, line up for your beads. This time the elbows are going backwards. They hadn't learned yet. So I said, don't turn around, and I'll give you your beads. The third week, they got it. They said, line up for your beads. Pastor David doesn't matter, does it? You're probably going to start in the middle, aren't you? Yeah, probably. <laughs> they got it. I had a grown-up version of that kind of a story, too, where the last became first and the first became last. I told it somebody, and he said, you ought to use it in the sermon. So I will. He knows who he is. He will in a minute. When I commanded a small engineer company in Virginia, Alpha Company of the 11th Engineers, and 
Scott will affirm this, as will most of the other veterans here. The officers eat last. Your men are fed first. Excuse me for saying men. At that time, we didn't have women in the 11th Engineers, so I can talk like that from then. But when we went out in the field like this to test our weapons and see if we could still shoot straight and practice with our bulldozers and what engineers do out in the woods of Fort A.P. Hill, Virginia, we would take our cooks from the big mess hall where, where all our troops ate together. The troops that belonged to Alpha Company, the cooks, would come with us. An old mess sergeant, a couple of young sergeants, and a couple of cooks. So end of a long, hard day out there in the woods. Thank God it wasn't raining at least. I went to the mess tent, and I was looking forward to supper because they were having chili mac. Anybody else here ever had chili mac? You have, you don't know it. The Marine has, figures. Chili Mac is the southern version of, uh, have anybody here ever had, uh, what do they call it? Uh, oh, golly. American chop suey? Yeah, now you know. New England is American chop suey. Add some chili seasoning and some beans to it, you got Chili Mac. I knew you knew what it was. I grew up eating it in the high school cafeteria. It's actually one of the less bad lunches we had. I liked it. So I love chili mac out in the field when it's cold and dark. So I get in line with my mess kit pan. I wait till every soldier in Alpha Company has eaten, except maybe the cooks. I come up with my mess kit pan, looking for a big glop of this uh, chili mac and maybe a roll or a biscuit or something. This mess sergeant looks all around in the dark and he says, sir, how do you like your steak? Excuse me, sergeant? i got a steak here for you, sir. How do you like your steak? Now, the other 133 soldiers of Alpha Company just got chili mac, which is good. I like steak. Mess sergeant says, how do you like your steak, sir? What are you saying, sir? Sir, i got a steak back here for you. Wait. Private Fogel, get over here. Poor Fogel comes charging over. He thinks he's going to miss the rest of his supper. He's my driver. He drove the Jeep. They don't let officers drive Jeeps for good reasons. And he was my Jeep driver. He was my chauffeur. Hey, Fogel, how do you like your steak? Sir, I thought I was pulling his leg. How do you like a steak? Well, medium rare, sir. Why? Sergeant, you heard the man. Cook him his steak. Who's your junior cook in the tent? He parades one of the cooks over. Private, how do you like your steak? Sergeant, the steak you saved for you is his now. You got that? You ever serve steak here in this tent again? There better be 135 of them. The sergeant was the hand of the grace of God and didn't know it because the next night, and I don't know where he got them, he had 135 steaks. <laughs> I didn't check the local mess halls and commissaries to see where he'd gone horse trading, but by golly, we all had steak or we, none of us got steak. We all got a full denarius or none of us got a full denarius. We all got a full measure or none of us got a full measure. So that old mess sergeant was trying to be a, trying to curry favor with the commander that he didn't deserve was a hand of God's grace anyway when he came up with 135 stakes. I know it's a very earthy example, but it worked. We all got full measure. And when you worked a hard day out in the woods, a steak almost tastes better than it does at a fine dining table. It really does. But that's the full measure. That's the flavor. That's what God offers when he offers the city of Nineveh, when he offers a whole body of people that he will relent 
from punishing. He really wants to love and forgive. So in a group of 120,000 plus many cattle, or a few workers in the vineyard, when God pays up, when you get your pay stub from God, it's paid in full. It is all that it takes to live in Jesus Christ and that forever. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Thank you for having joined us for First Word from First Church. We pray that God has blessed you in some way, in his way, through the message that we have just shared with you. Please join us again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance over you and give you peace. Amen and amen.